We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Happy Saturday, everybody. We're getting in another episode here of Setting the Pace Before the Year is Over, and we've got some more mailback questions to answer because, like we said after part two, we had so many questions come in for this one, so want to make sure we answer those for you, but we're going to start things off here with Garrett back. So, Fachi, Garrett said, with the recent drought of wins, do you feel the team's goals for 2023-2024 have changed? Would you expect us to make a win-now move or two by the deadline? If so, other than McConnell and Buddy, who would be most likely moved? Now, once this question was submitted, things have changed a bit. The Pacers are no longer a drought. They have beat Houston as well as Chicago uh, back-to-back games. So I think the team's goals have not changed. I think that they're still very much wanting to go for the playoffs. I think we expect them to make a move at the deadline. I think that they have the assets to do it. They still have those two first-round picks. And I, I also think that, you know, while it's nice to have James Johnson on the team, I don't think his roster spot is... 100% set in stone if you really need to make a change. So I do view McConnell and Nuara as players that could very well be on the move at the deadline. Buddy Heald is very much in that same category. Despite the Pacers saying that they want to keep him and have a high asking price for him, they should say that. That is a smart thing to say regardless, whether you mean it or not. But if you want to make that bigger move, obviously Buddy or Bruce Brown's salaries likely need to be included because I don't see the Pacers moving Turner this year at all. So I think the Pacers will make a move. I think they should push for the playoffs. Uh, Is it a massive splash? I don't know. But I do think that they will make a move in hopes of getting this team to not just the play-in, but the playoffs. I'm just going to say everything you said is pretty spot on there, and I think Obi Toppin needs to be thrown into that conversation as well. Just because an expiring contract, $6.5 million around there, and – is a guy that I don't necessarily know if they want to keep long-term. I know they don't want to keep him long-term as a starter. Yeah. Um, 
already has been put on the bench, you know, and, and we've seen Carlisle for the majority of the season, right? Aaron Neesmith at the, at the four over him in crunch time. So I, I don't think that they're really attached to Obi Toppin as more than a backup. So if they had to move off of him to try to get a deal done, I think they would do that. And then you also have to consider, would they move one of their bigs? Would they move Jalen or Isaiah for their salary purposes? Because I know that that could be a potential player that a team might want, especially a guy like Isaiah, who has that team control as well. I'm not saying that he should be moved, but I'm just saying I can see that if a team is asking for him, would he be a deal breaker for the Pacers? I don't think so. If it's getting them someone that they feel can really help them, knowing how well Jalen's been, then you just get a third string big to kind of back up Jalen and Miles. But yeah, I mean, nothing to me has changed in terms of them trying to win or not. And obviously this question was thrown to us before we ended up having the two-game winning streak going here against Houston and, like you said, um, the Chicago Bulls. But um, good question by Garrett, though. I think that it's a, it's a fair question, but I, I think pretty much there's a lot of guys on the table in terms of a trade, and there's probably players that we're thinking might not get moved that could potentially get moved if the right deal comes along. Never say never in the NBA. Uh, I don't think anyone thought Sabonis was going to get traded like we talked about a few episodes ago. And you know what? That was a brilliant move for the Indiana Pacers yep. to bring in Tyrese Halliburton. But next question we have, Corn Snob. He said, I think Aaron Neesmith has earned a starting spot on this team. While he probably isn't a starter on a contending roster, do you think he is on this one? If so, who should he replace? If not, why? And yeah, once again, these questions were submitted before the two-game losing streak before Neesmith was put into the starting lineup. So, yeah, I do think that he should be starting on this team more than likely just because of his defensive presence. Their best wing defender, I would say, um, gives them the most size um, in terms of playing with size, defensively knows how to have that lateral quickness. And he's just, he's earned it. It's not that you're just giving it to Aaron Neesmith because other guys haven't earned it. I think that while other guys have not played as well, he's gone out there and earned it. He's been consistently one of the best pacers this entire season. And while the offensive numbers might not always be there, he brings it every night defensively. He's going to get in foul trouble a lot of games because he plays so over-aggressive, but I'd rather have someone like that that's working their tail off, trying to prove that they belong out there and they're willing to do whatever it takes to win than guys kind of being nonchalant, going through the motions. And as, you know, I think it was, I'm trying to remember, oh, it was uh, Tim Legler on the JJ Reddick podcast mentioned that the Pacers' effort against the Clippers looked like a team that was going through the motions in a preseason game. And that's not acceptable in the regular season. Yeah. So, you need a guy like Neesmith to come out there and kind of muck things up and get things started for you with that starting unit and kind of set that tone defensively. Your point about him deserving it is spot on. I think that Buddy Heald should be coming off the bench because the Pacers have not been a good defensive team. And Neesmith, yeah, he's going to give you everything he's got for every minute that he's on the court, every second. And this team def desperately needs that defensive boost that he provides. You know, you could make that argument. Yeah, he could be the second most important pacer behind Tyrese. You could make that argument. Is he the second best player? I don't know. You can make an argument that he is or he isn't. But I do think that he's a vital part of this team. Starting him at the four is unfortunately a bit of a disadvantage size-wise. But starting him at the three, it just feels a lot more natural. And I feel that, hey, so far, I know it's just a two-game sample size of the winning streak but I see no reason to take him out of the starting lineup. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think he should be in the starting lineup moving forward. And I'm kind of excited to see what they do whenever they do make a trade and how he's involved in that. Uh, I, I just think he's almost become untouchable in terms of a trade. 
I don't want to call him an untouchable player, but yeah. what he means to this franchise, it's kind of hard to think about them trading away someone like that when they need more guys like that and less guys like that. So I would really try to, you know, this this would be like the Pacers putting their the feather in their cap uh, when Minnesota is like, we're not trading Jaden McDaniels for Rudy Gobert. You know, we, we traded everything else we have. We didn't trade Jaden McDaniels, and look how good we are. You know, they wore that cap and their feather pretty proudly uh, last season, and I think the Pacers would do the same thing if they didn't trade Aaron Neesmith. So, uh, and, I, and I wouldn't blame them for it either, but let's keep it moving here. MVP Acer, uh, MVP Acer basically said, I can't see us coming to a deal with Toronto, but what teams actually need Buddy and TJ the most? Do they have any wings that would work for us in a trade? You know, here's the thing. It's like, Buddy Hill is a good player. Is he coveted by every team? No. TJ McConnell, good player. Is he coveted by every team? No, but I think he can make a lot of teams better. I think when you look at this, it's hard to find wings that are just available, especially for the players that you mentioned. I, I try to just look over here and just of, of players or teams that could use either of those. Look, the Orlando Magic are currently one of the worst three-point shooting teams in this league. Mm -hmm. They're off to a hot start this year. Could they look to make a push forward for the playoffs and try and make a trade for Buddy Heald? Very possible. I mean, the the, the power forward position has been a, a question mark for the Pacers. Could the Pacers look at Jonathan Isaac, who, while he's been hurt, he does provide defensive help. Uh, you don't want to let Buddy walk for nothing. And then there's the Lakers. They're also a, another really poor three-point shooting team. Could they be interested in Buddy? It's possible. But then as it relates to TJ McConnell, Phoenix is, is a team that's been rumored. Phoenix is not playing the type of basketball they want to play. I think that they're, they hope that Bradley Beal will be able to be the point guard for them, and he's barely even played. So who knows what happens there, but the type of wings that you're probably looking for and that I'm looking for, I don't think are going to be coming in a trade that involves – just like Buddy straight up or McConnell and Nuora or anything like that, you're going to have to pay up in order to get those head players. Yeah, the first name that came to mind when I was looking at this exercise was Jonathan Isaac. Because yep. you know Paulo and Franz are, are not you know tradable pieces at all whatsoever, <laughs> let alone for a Buddy Hield center trade. But Isaac's coming off the bench, and I think – you know, he's been dealing with injury problems his entire career, and they've not mm -hmm. been able to overextend his minutes because they know that there are limitations there. And I think the Pacers could use somebody defensively like him. But then again, would they have to rely on him to do more than he is? I mean, Buddy Hill's playing 30-plus minutes a game for the Pacers, as we're speaking, and kind of closing out games. And he's and he has improved as a defender. There is no doubt about that. I yes. think Buddy Hill has improved as a defender. So while he is, you know, people want to say he's a cone out there. I mean, there are times when he was just god awful. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. he's had some good moments and, and clutch moments too. So there's a fair, you know, there's a fair chance there. Looking at the teams, like you said, with three point percentage not being high, it's a lot of bad teams for the most part, or mm -hmm. teams that don't have a lot of wings that you'd want to trade back for. So it's tough. You know, I, I was, uh, I was on the radio and I brought up the name Gordon Hayward as a name to be different than everything we hear all the time with like Pascal and OG. And I was just getting made fun of left and right. As soon as I hung the phone up with the guys on the radio, like we don't want Hayward. I'm like, I was basically just saying like, you do it for not giving up anybody worth value. Like that was the whole point. I was like, I said, no one's going to like this, but he is a wing is an expiring contract. You don't have to give up the treasure chest for him. And today when I posted my article and read it, Somebody replied and said, I'll read it as long as you never mention Gordon Hayward to the Pacers in a trade in 2024. So I guess I've got about three days left to make my case for Gordon Hayward. So I'll throw it out there once again. But a Buddy Hill and Obi Toppin trade for Gordon Hayward does make sense salary-wise. I, I do think that you would probably need something else in return from Charlotte to make that deal 
feel like it's a fair value. You know, why would they want to go after that deal? You also would say maybe back as a as a rebuttal, but at least they'd have the the control of Obi Toppin's restricted uh, restricted free agency, especially with everything happening with Miles Bridges and him potentially more than likely leaving Charlotte after this whole one year uh, fiasco has kind of gone down. Yeah, Gordon Hayward just got hurt the other night. He's going to be reevaluated in yeah. two weeks with a calf strain. It, it's just he's had some injuries. It's um, it's unfortunate. Still a very good player when healthy, but yes, you would not have to give up the treasure chest. There's no talks of it. It's like don't even look at any of our first round. You know, Jarris Walker, Ben Matherin, Andrew Nemhard type of push not happening. So I think if if the Pacers were to make that move, I think a lot of people that might have. Sounded against it would actually probably be like, oh, wow, this Pacers team got better, you know, if they're not giving up that much. But at the same point, you know, it, it's like you mentioned, a lot of the teams that struggle with three-point land are like your your Portland and I believe like Washington. And teams that don't have the motive to say, you know what, we need Buddy Heald. It's like their their seasons are, are going down pretty quickly. But next question that we have is Brett Skipball said, is Aaron Neesmith the second best player on the team this year? I, I don't this, I don't really think he's the second best player on the team in terms of overall talent, but he's played that yeah. way. He's been the second most consistent on this team, and I've said that from the beginning of the that's year. That's the way to put it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, that's where I'm at with it. Like, no, he doesn't have the same ability to just be a, an offensive presence like some of these other guys can be. You know, he's not going to overwhelm me with his offensive playmaking and scoring and th things like that. Like, he'll hit open shots and – He'll make that great drive on the baseline and hit the reverse layup, and maybe he'll yam on a, on a guy every once in a while. But, you know, Aaron Eastman is not like an offensive juggernaut. He's just kind of a junkyard dog that's going to dog it up out there. And so, yeah, I, I, he's been the second most consistent to me probably this season and definitely worthy of a, of a starting spot. But do not think that if you're looking at overall talent that he is the second best player on this roster. No, you don't say the second best player. I think you say what you mentioned, second most consistent maybe second most important. Uh, there's obviously players that are better, but what Aaron's bringing to the table on a nightly basis, you need. There's other players that could be out. You could win a game or two, you know, without Bruce Brown. If Turner's out, yeah, Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson could probably match his production. There are other, if Matherin's out, you can still win games. If Neesmith's out, I, I, I'm worried. I'm worried that this Pacers team is going to get just run over. So I think that there's so much that he brings to the table on the defensive side, but has really stepped his game up offensively. So I've always called the next factor of this team. I really feel he sets the tone nightly. So I'd say he's either the second most consistent or borderline second most important for this yeah. year, but not the second best player on this team. And that's a fair point, too. I mean, most important, uh, most impactful. Yeah, there's yeah this, exactly. He's, 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 had, he's had an impact on this team, and they need him. For defensive purposes. Now we're going to move on to our next question here from Chase, aka Pacers World. And because this question is kind of not uh relevant now because of the, the roster changes that have been made, I'm curious, Fachi, just to kind of rephrase this question. We've seen the changes Rick has made. Do you like those changes, or is there something else you would tweak to it to kind of like maybe shake the lineup rotation a little bit better? I've always said I root for the name on the front of the jersey. Jersey, not the back. I root for the Pacers. If you're winning, don't shake it up. So I do like the, the new starting five that we've seen. If we were to make a change, I think you could go Bruce Brown over Nemhard, and I think that Nemhard could still have more run with that second unit instead of being perhaps you know the fifth guy in that starting five. But 
Overall, I mean, Halliburton, Emhard, Neesmith, Jalen Smith, and Turner, 2-0. and Really can't complain about that much. Is there any changes that you would make? I will say that I am a little bit concerned about Jalen and Miles long-term next to each other. Um, don't love the fit. I think it's okay. It just kind of puts more of a glaring hole that we have at the power four position. I think with Bruce coming back, the only question I think to myself is, and this is what I've actually thrown out quite a few different times in terms of our, our best defensive lineup, is Nimhard, Bruce, Aaron, Tyrese, and Miles with that five. And you bring Jalen back off the bench, and you just basically make your substitutions where they've already kind of been making them this way, where Nimhard does go out early and comes back and runs the second unit. I can kind of see them doing something similar to that just because they probably still want to play with a certain type of pace and having all those different ball handlers out there and playmakers that could help. But this is a league that is heading, you know, towards having more size in it. And while it's not necessarily the double bigs, like we're used to hearing about for the past six years, it's more of like having wings like Apollo on a Franz who Halliburton alluded to, you know, this is what the Pacers have to deal with. And I mean, Jalen has, had some good moments, but we also saw him just get attacked off the dribble multiple times against the Bulls because he's just he he's gotten better, but he's still just not a great defender in space. It's it's tough for him to guard guys that are a lot quicker than him and then try to recover from that. I mean, I think they're kind of putting him in an unfair advantage because he did play so well as the backup five versus being the four next to Miles like we saw last year. So I don't necessarily believe in it long term. I think right now it's basically putting a bandit over a bullet hole as your friend Taylor Swift would say, Fachi, but... Um, My friend, yeah. Smithy, I don't know if I've hit it that big. Ah, close friend of mine, Taylor. You didn't um, watch but, the concert. I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. <laughs> I, I watched the movie, not, you know... That's what I mean, that, the movie concert. Yeah, yeah the movie concert. Yeah, That's I like worse go than to, going to the concert. That's more mm, diehard fans well, right there. Well, I mean, the concert, I'm sure, was an overall experience experience yeah the movie just really wasn't that great i mean amy's like what's your favorite part i'm like i don't know babe there wasn't really a storyline going on you know it's like there's not really like a, a roller coaster of emotion happening but overall yeah look i'm with you jalen smith <laughs> good player is he the long-term four on this team no it's more of like until it doesn't work i don't know if you make any changes but if you do make some changes i'm fine with it but for right now if it ain't broke don't fix it uh, let, let's keep riding this hot hand a little bit. All right, we're going. Uh, you got number 14. Next question. So, Jason Lau, I believe, I hope, low, Jason Lowe, uh, are the Pacers really better off trying to win now at the expense of further developing guys like Matherin, Shepard, Walker, and Nemhard when they are sitting at 500 anyway and vets like Buddy and Bruce haven't played particularly well? This is a fair question. I don't agree. With this stance, and I know there's a lot of Pacer fans that will push back against this, so I'm probably, I feel like I'm in a minority here by saying this, and I'm like trying to hide and duck and cover because I don't want to get stoned by all these people. But I just, I just don't really think that it's as important as people think it is because I think the best experience is getting into the playoffs and kind of seeing where this team is at. Where you're not going to make it if you're trying to develop Jairus Walker. Like, let's be honest. Like, if you look at a team like Detroit, they're getting a lot of young guys playing time. They've lost 28 in a row at this point. You look at yep. Washington, they're doing the same thing or San Antonio. It's like, you can go through this big youth movement and just sit there and just try to get guys playing time. But if you're not building a infrastructure, you're not building a foundation that's coming to work every day and, you know, punching your clock, you have, a, you have an all-star player in Tyrese Halliburton that's ascending into a superstar level player. You don't have time to be sitting here and spending all of your resources 
going into it trying to just build around the future. I think that you owe it to Tyrese to give him the best chance to win so he can get that taste of the playoffs. And when you win, Fachi, and when you get to the playoffs, it makes your franchise more attractive for other players to come here, and then you can slowly work on these young guys as you're trying to grow into something big. So, you know, I, I just feel like the Pacers have always prioritized winning over development, and you can even go back to when they were unwilling to completely tank and get, get themselves to a spot where they could have maybe got a Paulo Boncaro, maybe got an Asar Thompson. Instead, they just win too many meaningless games at the end of the season. And that I understand that's a big deal. But like at this point, it's way you're two games above 500. No, stop. If not now, when? I mean, no one goes from just, oh, we're in the lottery to all of a sudden we're an NBA contender in one year. And if you do, you're a big market team. You're like the Lakers when they all of a sudden just like sign LeBron. You know, they can, we don't have that luxury. Last year we played Mather and Nemhard a lot. And I honestly think that we could have pushed for the play in. But we were this like, I don't know, this rest Tyrese a little bit. Like, we, we took it easy then. I just feel like now this Pacers team could legitimately be a top eight seed in the East. Not talking about a play-in. I think they can, you know, be a top eight seed, make the overall playoffs. And I think that experience would be so vital for a group that lacks it. And I think that if you do punt on this year, how many more draft picks can you handle? I mean, if the Pacers were picking, say, like, I don't know, 12th, that's going to be another guy that we're saying, how do we get him playing time? He's a lottery pick. we got to fit him in there. And there's no more room. So I think that at this point they have to push towards the playoffs because that's how they can make some noise. That's how they can attract some talent. That's how they can get more media exposure. Guys like Tyrese, they want to win. Tyrese has talked about it. Earlier in the year, he's like, I'm tired of being a loser. He'll have been in the league a couple years, but the man hasn't won yet. But we saw when this team got to the in-season tournament. I know it's a small sample size, but when backs were against the wall, they outperformed their competition quite often. There is enough pieces on this team that I think you can add to it instead of really trying to kind of put a leash on some of these players, short leash, and say, oh, you know what, not this year, maybe next year. At this point, when you got to try and go for it, and for this year, going for it, is making the playoffs next year. That could be a totally different, you know, definition of going for it. But for right now, I think this fan base really wants to see this team in the playoffs. And I know these players want to be there. They don't want to be on the outside looking in, especially after the taste of in-season tournament that they got. And I think we also need to just push back and say that who says they're not developing because Matherin and Nimhart are still playing heavy minutes in the rotation, whether yep. they're starting or not starting, they're still getting looks. And, and there's been games when Nimhart has not played and McConnell's gotten the nod over him, but it's not been very often. I think that these guys are still getting that opportunity. So you're probably just basically looking at Jarris and Ben Shepard. And while they have not got very much run, they've had a few games here and there where they've been given a chance to kind of prove themselves. You know, the Pacers have done a really good job of using the G League affiliate, the Mad Ants, to try to get them some reps here and there. And they've done some Good work when they played in the G League as well with a pretty loaded G League roster that went 15 and two yep. in their first 27 games, or 17 games, excuse me. So they're they're a team that you know in, in the G League that is playing at a high level, and so you get your young guys down there with them and kind of just help them get some extra reps. I mean that's that's development whether you're seeing it on the court right now or not. So I I just wanted to push back and say like we might not see the the fruits of their labor right now, but it's going to happen. 
and it's going to eventually showcase Flachi what they've been working on that we're not always seeing on the court every day. And to an extent on that, like if Matherin leads us in scoring, are the Pacers a better team? I'd say no. Mm-hmm. I think that he's someone that needs to be bringing more than just scoring. I think that he's had an opportunity to expand his playmaking at times and other stuff. So players, like you said, they are still getting good minutes. But yeah, we're not like having Matherin be maybe the, the second guy on this team as a scoring option. Either way, it's a hard line to tiptoe when you're trying to win games and develop young players. A lot of teams can't achieve both. I think the Pacers are trying to achieve both right now. It's tough, but you at the end of the day, you want to win. And right now, the Pacers are winning more than last year. And at least we'll see how the season turns out. But maybe it's a different story in March or April. We'll see later on. That's still plenty of time for development. But for right now, the Pacers feel they have a chance to be competing as a playoff team. And for that, I'm excited. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's keep it moving here, Fachi. This one comes from Jeff Q. He said, lots of talk about the usual suspects for trade targets, OG, Siakam, etc. Give me your under-the-radar trade target heading into 2024 that we're not talking about. My sense from Jeff, he says this, Tarees. I mean, look, it's first of all, I love me some Tarees. I know you do too. We talked about him the other night. I don't think Houston's going to trade him. I mean, they're, yeah, he's one and a half years uh, almost into his career, and he's a good player. But it's hard to really predict an under-the-radar trade target that no one's talking about. I mean, that's a hard thing to do. Uh, I've always believed, I guess, like, a Jonathan Kaminga is capable of more and needs a change of scenery, but it feels redundant. At the four, we already have Jarris Walker we can't get playing time for. There's Obi Toppin. So I feel like the Kaminga, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, could Washington look to unload Kuzma and mm. further dive into a, a rebuild? Could happen. It's not going to help us defensively, but he definitely would be a better four than what we have. So I guess that's really the only name I could come up with that, like, Maybe Washington at one point just dives further into a rebuild and moves him. Was there a name that you were able to come up with? I'm just going to be silly here, and I honestly don't think it's going to happen, but I was just curious your thoughts when there's a lot going around about this player. What if Draymond Green became available? Would you, if you're the Pacers, go after Draymond? It's just too much money at this point in his career. You're not going to get vintage Draymond. You're gonna no, you're not, but you're getting that playoff caliber type of guy, championship level guy that's been there, done that, 
still a really high quality defender. Does he make that does he make that improvement from everything that's been going on with his, you know, outside world right now? I mean, does he does he grow from that? Look, he he could. I just think that his and it sounds rough to say, I think his talent is going to diminish over the next few years. No, I, I don't agree with think that. he's a very good player. Definitely could change the culture. I guarantee you he would have more of an impact with just affecting his teammates to go harder and the communication that would take place on the court than the amount of points that he's going to score, the amount of rebounds or maybe even assists that he's going to pull down. I just feel that at this point he's making too much money and he's on the little bit of the older side. This is a guy who played four years at Michigan State. I believe was drafted in 2012 when we took, you know, Plumley. I mean, it's like it, he's been in the league for a while. I think his better years are unfortunately behind him. But no, I, I definitely I agree. There. I mean, he's 33 years old this year, making 22 million. He'll be making 24 next year, and then 25 the year after, and a player option in 26, 27 for 27 million. Like he just signed a big deal with with Golden State, and Bob Myers got out of there quick <laughs> after yep. everything went down. So you know, I mean, obviously, I don't think he's the right fit for this Pacers team, but. Somebody like that that's kind of like a tough-nosed guy would be okay to me if they're trying to make that leap forward. Um, I was just trying to throw somebody else different out there. Like, I've been a, I was really enjoying what Andrew Wiggins was doing when he was in that championship run with Golden State just two years ago. I mean, second-best player next to Steph, no doubt about it, in that, in that run. But he has really gone through some stuff off the floor. He has not been the same since, no. you know, and whatever it's, happened. It's, I don't know. I don't know if a new change of scenery would help him or not, but somebody like that – that's still got some, you know, gas left in the tank. I, I could kind of see the Pacers being interested in, but I just don't think they're going to really rush into anything. I think they're just going to take it slow, and there's a couple guys I think that we talk about at Nazim that they're targeting, and if those two guys don't become available, then they're probably going to pivot and, and just kind of ride it out and then see what happens in free agency. That That's my gut feeling right now. I, I don't see, like, a Tyrese Halliburton level of trade. No happening no. once again. I don't see anybody out there in like year two that really is like popping off the page as like, oh, their team's going to be willing to move off of them. And I also do feel that the Pacers are probably looking for a little bit more of a veteran compared to like another really young player that they need to then develop. I think right now you already got a lot of young guys you're trying to develop. So I do think they would be looking for someone a little bit more established, someone that could fit the timeline of a player like an OG where he's been in the league for quite a few years now and you know what you're getting but uh, obviously that's one of the, the popular names so it's hard to pick that under the radar but great question great question yeah. but next we have c falcon 31 said i believe nemhard is a better long-term fit than matherin who do you think fits better long-term with halliburton in the backcourt good question um i don't think people are going to like this but I think right now, from what we've seen, I think Nimhard's a better fit next to Tyrese just because of what he brings defensively. And there's been games where Matherin has really gotten down and defended well. Like there was a clip that our friend Josh Padmore shared on Twitter of where Ben got really skinny on the post and was really able to navigate the screen against Houston and just kind of showed like where he can be like a really solid on-ball defender. He just doesn't do it consistently enough. And they're still evolving. So, I mean, if Ben can reach his potential here in the next two or three years and, and kind of figure out how to play with Tyrese, then obviously the ceiling is higher with him. But I, I just think right now, from what we've seen on a more consistent level, I think Nimhart is a better fit with what the Pacers are wanting to do. And I think it's pretty obvious that Rick trusts Andrew more than Ben at this point. I'm with you, man. And that it's it hurts at times to say that because it's like, look, we know that Matherin's 
potential is through the roof. Sixth overall draft pick. I mean, just a lot to like about I, I've said it before. I, I own a Matherin jersey. I do regret not getting Halliburton instead of Matherin. But yeah. Yeah, I got to live with what it now. What were you thinking? So, I, I was not thinking. I bought the jersey like last like November when Matherin was just on fire. And everyone was like, Six man of the year and rookie of the year. Like, could it be dead? The, the, it was that crazy of a time. It was a fun time. It was fun. But at this point, I feel like the Pacers need so much help defensively. But you're also getting a really good playmaker in Nimhard. You're getting a guy who could shoot. I mean, he's he's efficient. I just feel like he does a little bit of everything well. Where Mathurin now, you're still like, okay, but if he's not scoring, how much is he contributing to winning? And I think that at that point, that's the answer you're still really looking for. So I think that, you know, Nemhard at times, yeah, you might have a, a game like the other night where it's 4 of 13 shooting. But I feel like if Ben doesn't get 10-plus shots, he is not able to make a difference for the Pacers. And I think that Nemhard, once Bruce Brown comes back and he's playing a little bit of a smaller role, I still feel it can make an impact. And we it goes back to what we talked about is the defense that he played against Milwaukee during that stretch to slow Dame down, like, it was just, you know, a handful of minutes that really made a difference. And I think that we have yet to see that out of Matherin. And Matherin's someone that I really feel like you need to, uh, you know, remove the handcuffs. you got to be able to say, hey, go be you. And I think that when you're trying to win, that has not really worked out this year the way that we all hoped it would. Still extremely talented, but when you talk about better fit, it's probably Nemhard, a guy that we talked about as could be one of the better backup point guards in this league. I know he's also hasn't showed his full potential this year, but we know he's chalk full potential. Do you think Matherin has gotten better off the bench than being with the starters? At times. At times. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's a mixed bag. I don't think that he's like been able to be like, oh man, you know what? He's really settled into that six man role like last year. It's like we talked about it. Last year at one point, it was like this man looked like the sixth man of the year. was leading the NBA points off the bench. It has not been like that. And when he's been in the starting lineup, it kind of feels like he's been lost in the shuffle. So yeah. it's it's been tough. No, it's, it's, it is. I think his numbers have gotten a little bit better off the bench. I think that it allows him to be more of a scorer. And I don't necessarily that tell, I don't think that tells the whole story of who Ben Mather needs to be become, um, who he needs to become, but it's tough. Um, I feel bad for him just because it felt like he was getting handed, you know, that starting spot on a silver platter and it just kind of got taken away from him not too early into the season. And he, to me, has been inconsistent, but I don't feel like anybody else that also has been given those minutes has been more consistent than him. I mean, maybe Buddy Hill has been more consistent. It's just hard to like put it in perspective because you can kind of see where Buddy sh struggled to shoot the ball so well. But Overall, I have been impressed with Matherin's growth this year, despite the numbers not reflecting it as much, just because you can see where he's really taken a step forward in terms of like becoming a better passer. I think his defense at times has looked a lot better. And we've heard already like three or four times this year from Carlisle say, like, that might be his best career game. <laughs> you know, and I think that's where we're seeing those steps, but it's just it's it's not been the consistent level that we maybe hope for. But then again, we, we just talked about Patrick Williams and how much he's improved as a player for the Bulls. It's year right four too. for him. It took years. Yep. It's year four for him. So in year four, we'll see where Matherin's at, and this question probably is answered a lot differently if he can continue to grow into the player we hope he can become. But last question for me, Fach, I know you have one more left, but we're going to close out this one with two more questions. Vinny wants to know, 
if we go after that second star, Fachi, what are your thoughts on including Miles Turner in a deal and then scooping up someone cheaper like Jared Allen or even Yaka Pertle, who are decent uh, pick and roll bigs that rebound uh, well and are giant uh, are in a giant and a giant drop off on defense. I mean, Turner only has one more year on his contract after this year, so I don't think you can say that anyone's really off the table. Uh, Yaka Pertle is a good player. Um, Jared Allen was other name. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it costs to get him, but there's a former all-star over there. You're looking for a good defensive big. I mean, that could very much help. Yeah. So This question I mean, was kind of phrased as Allen not being a good defensive big. I think they were kind of combining their comments with Pirtle and Allen and putting them together when those two guys are completely different players. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, so is it just are we not willing to include Turner in a trade? Or, no, are we, are, are we willing to include Turner yeah. in a second trade or like as a, as a guy in a trade for a second star? Yeah, I think I think I think Turner. I mean, look, it's not that you're trying to ship the man out of town, but I don't think you could say Miles Turner having one year on his contract after this year is an absolute no go. If you yeah. could bring in a second star, I think at that point you, you got to do that because as good as Turner is, I think this is probably the best, if not last year, the best Turner that you're going to get. And I think that if you could bring in a second star, something that Indiana's been looking for for a long time, you got to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Pirtle or Jared Allen are guys that I want to really give the bag to. No, no. <laughs> you know, even if they're replacement bigs, like I, I, I threw out the idea of Najri like two or three weeks ago, and I, I haven't really heard much feedback on that one, so I don't think people are as as negative about it as I thought, because usually you only hear feedback if it's like a terrible idea. People are just like roasting you for it. So if they're not roasting you, maybe they're thinking about it, pondering it, or they don't know enough about that player to make a comment on it, but you know, there, there's different bigs out there that could be impactful, but, like, we've seen Miles have, like, I think the last three games has been really good for Miles. They have Orlando, Houston, and Chicago, he's actually played pretty solid basketball. So I'm not really, like, looking to get rid of him. The only reason I would do that if there was, like, a way that it seemed like that's struggling, ended up saying one of their young prospect bigs might become available and you work, like, a three-team deal to maybe get him, like, Someone that I would just love to get my hands on is is a guy like Jalen Duran from Detroit because they're a of team course. that's in a massive rebuild right now, and who knows what they're going to do with their roster because they could have some major changeover in the front office. And are they going to be willing to kind of take that like that backseat to keep rebuilding? Are they going to want to try to right the ship and get more winners in there? And so, if a guy like Jalen Duran became available, would you be aggressive in trying to go get someone like that in a deal? after you did include maybe Turner in another deal, that could be something I would look at, but that's just pipe dream stuff right, that's right down dreams. there. You know, it's I, like Duran's like 20 years old, has right. like massive potential and years ahead of him, fits the timeline for the Pistons perfectly. I don't know what it would take to get him. <laughs> what but... timeline is that? We don't even know who's going to be on their roster in two years. Yeah, you know we, what I mean? We don't, but it, it just to not to go on a tangent, I hated what Detroit did this off season. Like it's like, they took on guys like Joe Harris and and, um, and Alec Burks and and refused deals for Bojan. It was like, what was the goal over here? Did you think that you were going to have like the youngest team in the league that's winning, or did you not think you were going to be? Did you think you were going to be bad, but not the worst of all time? Like, I don't know what they were going for, but when you look at it, it's like it just didn't make sense. You, you paid Monty Williams through the roof. Coach, it's just like it was like a roller coaster of like going in different directions. And right now, you see a team that could end up being the worst of all time. They're on pace for five wins this year. I believe the record's eight. It's 
it's eight or nine. So there are quite a few uh, quite a few wins off of what's the lowest of all time projection wise. This is the same team that traded away Sadiq Bay, their only wing for James Wiseman, when they already had other bigs on the roster like Marvin Bagley. They had just drafted Jalen Duran. They had Beef Stew. They didn't need James Wiseman. I don't care how good of a prospect he was coming into college. Like he's been nothing but awful nothing. in the league and cannot stay healthy. And why would you trade away your only wing when you're trying to establish a culture? And that's what I'm saying. Like when fans say they want to see us like, oh, we should be rebuilding. We should be letting these young guys develop. It's like, do you really want to sit there and watch 28 losses and be the laughing stock of the NBA? No, nobody was listening to any of our podcasts in January when we lost 11 to 12 because no. nobody wants to sit there and cheer for losing. That's just the bottom line. I could not imagine doing this podcast with 28 straight losses. It I would mean, be we, a fun we, gimmick. That's all I could say. I mean, people are still like, no matter what happens this year, people are going to be like, yeah, but we lost to Charlotte in the beginning of the year. It's like, all right, everybody, like, get over it. Could you imagine losing 28 straight games? It would be hard to come over here and even be 1% positive. So I don't know what we'd be able to do there, but, man. Uh, so we have one more question. Yeah, Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson said, at what point does Rick start giving Jarris consistent minutes? The losses, ugly losses, are starting to pile up. And although he's surely flawed, his defensive potential should have him out there, given how bad we are in that area. It's not going to happen anytime soon, people. I, the, the schedule gets incredibly tough in January. And, and before we get into January, you're listening to this on Saturday morning. They've got the Knicks tonight, who are a top six team in the Eastern Conference. Then you're playing Boston twice. You're playing, um, you're playing Atlanta twice. You've got... I'm trying to think of the other team as we got. Oh, Milwaukee, obviously, twice. And then you got Denver and Phoenix twice. You know, you're playing some of the tough teams in both the East and West in the month of January. I don't really see where Jairus is getting minutes unless there's an injury to somebody that they feel like they have to play him. But at that point, they've even shown during those times when there's been injuries that they will literally try every other avenue before giving him that opportunity right now because they just don't trust him. And rightfully so, he has shown flashes of, really solid basketball, but they've he's also shown flashes of just not being ready. You know, I was hoping that maybe after the Minnesota game, he'd get like maybe 10 minutes a game, but you know, I, I'm not losing sleep over him not playing right now, but I do understand why fans want to see him at least get a chance because if you're not getting a chance to prove yourself, then you never are going to be able to do that. So at some point, Rick's going to have to like say, okay, Jarrett's go out there and give us 10, 15 minutes. We need you tonight. And if he's able to kind of really, be impactful in the game, whether he's scoring or not, just like rebounding, playing good defense, then I think that's going to get him on the court. But it's it goes back to the same thing we answered about Neesmith. He's earned it, and I think Jairus has to earn it. It's not just going to be given to him because he's the eighth overall pick. Yeah, and to to the point, it is hard for him to earn it. Maybe you can do that in practice. But it, to me, it felt like the perfect time to get Jairus playing time was right when that G League Winter Classic was starting up, the showcase. And yeah. I felt like it was, like, it was just poor timing because – Jarrett had really been ramping up and playing better. And then I feel like he wasn't available for those games because obviously they had a tournament going on. But right now, and I know this is another question that was presented before the Pacers won two straight games, sky isn't falling. We are winning some games again. It's hard to now say, all right, you know what, we're winning. Jarrett Walker needs to be in there now. The defense actually has looked better lately. So, don't think it's going to be yet. Maybe the Pacers end up making a move at the trade deadline that really opens up some playing time for Jarris Walker. It's very possible. Or maybe it happens you know, in the back end of January. But for right now, short term, I don't think it's going to happen over the next week or two. 
No, I, I don't either, Fudge. I think they're going to keep riding it out with what they've got going on right now, and hopefully they can establish uh, a winning streak here and kind of just figure out what's been going wrong for this team and, and find the new way to get victories in the win column after losing six of their last seven before this two-game winning streak. So um, I think that's going to wrap it up for the mailbag. Go ahead and tell the people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPod, STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPod, STP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash head in the pace, a Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. We'd love for you guys to be a part of the fam. So join us on there by subscribing and leave us a five-star rating interview wherever you get your podcast. And Fachi, if you're hoping the Pacers take down those lowly Knicks tonight, we're going to let them know who the wannabe all-star really is. Then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping